This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. We are so pumped to be back with you guys again this morning. This is such a joy to be here. We consider Christian Chapel one of our home churches, as Pastor Chris mentioned. Uh, I used to live across the street, was a part of the youth group very regularly, so it's always good to be back home. Um, Thank you for continuing to invest and believe in Kingdom Builders. You saw just some of the highlights on the screen today. In the last three years, 92 churches have gone in in two different countries. I'll talk more about that, but man, God's doing some amazing things in East Africa, and we just wanted to thank you guys for continuing to have a heart for what Jesus is doing globally. Bailey's with me this morning, and I'm going to let her uh, greet you guys as well and explain a little bit about the uh, African market feel out in the foyer. I think some of the ladies already know. (laughs) No, um, we are so glad to be with you guys this morning. Um, I feel like showing that video to you guys lets you meet some of our family over there, and you're our family, so you may not get to meet them until heaven, but um, it's exciting for us to, to show that. I wish we had time to tell you all of their stories and the way God is moving. But I just want you to know God is moving. God is moving in the nations and his kingdom is being built here on this earth. And so thank you for being, letting us be an extension of what you guys are doing and letting us go. It's a privilege. um, And we wish we could bring you all in our pockets and suitcases. Steve's about to fly out this afternoon. So, (laughs) Um, but I did bring some of the products from my artisan company that are out in the foyer. I work with artisans who do different handicrafts like weaving baskets and um, we give them fair trade value for their work. They have been paid in full, so the discounts I'm giving you today don't affect them. Um, And we reinvest the proceeds back into projects like you just saw back there, schools, different things that we're doing in East Africa. Um, The baskets are half off and jewelry like the earrings I'm wearing are half off as well for you guys because it's like Black Friday, Cyber Monday weekend. So I had to give you even a lower discount than what's on my website right now. There's a story in the Bible about Jesus kicking somebody out of the temple it's for true. selling stuff. But they're out they're outside of the sanctuary, so we're good. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, we do have um, different prices. There's there's unisex things, there's there's wallets for men, there's these wash bags. I do have men's messenger bags. I got a few questions about those, but I didn't bring them with me today. So if you're interested, let me know. Um, mostly everything else is going to be 30% off. Everything we have is really nice full grain leather. It's that top tier of the animal skin. Um, really beautiful. So if you want anything, the proceeds go to missions. So it's great holiday shopping, right? <laughs> I'm going to pray because Stephen has a really great word for you guys this morning. And um, I believe the Lord's going to speak to us. Jesus, we just want to say that we love you. Yeah. We are so grateful to be called the sons and the daughters of God, that you would call us your family is something we can truly be thankful for. And uh, this morning, we don't want to take the privilege of being able to be together in this room and worship and, and preach and, and get to minister with one another and um, forget that there are many believers, brothers and sisters around the world who do not have the same privilege this morning. Yeah. So we want to remember the persecuted church this morning, and Thank we want to speak your boldness and your grace to them. Yeah. God, we want to pray supernatural intervention for them that the gospel would still go forth and reach every person in every place, that they would have the opportunity to hear the matchless and beautiful name of Jesus. We just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to our hearts this morning, that we just saying that you can do whatever you want to. Let us really put that into practice with your word this morning. And may you minister to hearts and change us and mark us for your kingdom. We love you, Jesus. Amen. 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 
Awesome. Well, it is a joy to be back with you guys. Bailey mentioned I'm flying out this afternoon at 3.45 back to uh, East Africa. Uh, Pastor Chris asked me to preach for two hours this morning because I wanted it to be more of an African feel, but I said, can't do it this Sunday. I'll have to wait for uh, sometime next year. Okay. It's a joke. It's a joke. Some of you are like, wow, no. Um, but just so thankful for you guys. And if it's okay, I'd just like us to jump right into God's word this morning. And so we are going to look at the book of uh, 2 Timothy, and we are going to pick this uh, narrative up in chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, and Paul is writing to his spiritual son, Timothy, and he says in 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. Mine's at 3.45 this afternoon, but Paul, you know, was talking about a different day, but it was coming close. And he said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, now notice this next expression, will give to me on that day, okay? The Lord will give it to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who has loved his appearing. This morning, I'd like to talk to you just for a few moments about this idea of this day, that day, all right? This day, that day. And I know that's probably too simple for some of us, so I came up with a secondary academic title of Missiological Impetus for Eschatological Momentum and Ecclesiastical Expansion. For those of you that are more academically inclined, one person laughed. The rest of you are like, he's serious. No, I'm not serious. Okay, it's okay to laugh in church on a Sunday morning, all right? Um, we're going to go with this day, that day. Is that okay? We have, okay, consensus in the house. Thank you so much. I love this passage as I was preparing uh, for this word this morning. It's interesting as Paul is making some of his final closing remarks that we find in the New Testament, he addresses them to his spiritual son, Timothy. Now, I place yourself in that context just for a moment. You're receiving a letter from a spiritual mentor or from a pastor that you have dearly admired over the years. And it's interesting because Paul alludes to this idea of on that day. The New King James Version, which we just read from, actually capitalizes the word day. And I think it's really important because it's a clear point of emphasis and a clear idea of distinction. In other words, there's that day and then there's this day. And Paul is trying to help Timothy understand that the way in which he lived his life was of such that he always kept in mind the implications of that day when it came to living out his life in this day, right? And you can uh, see what uh, Kenneth Boa says about this. He is an interesting um, Bible scholar who wrote, it has been observed that the Apostle Paul had only two days in his calendar, today and that day the day he would stand before Christ. And he lived every today in the light of that day, right? This day, that day. Now, it's my experience that when we hear someone talk about that day, we don't really understand its significance. You know, we talk about the last day and it seems all very ephemeral, very, you know, out there somewhere. And it kind of uh, reminded me of a skit that my brother and I used to do here at Christian Chapel about 15 years ago. Those of you that have been around for a while, you may remember it. 
My brother would pretend to be the fiery southern evangelist with the thick accent and the, you know, using the vernacular, colloquial expressions in English that nobody ever really uses anymore. And I would be the African translator in Africa trying to interpret what the fiery evangelist was saying. And so my brother would say something to the effect in the middle of his message, God will sweep over you, right? And then myself being the African translator would say, God will hit you with a broom right? And then my brother would stand up again, and he would say, church, it's time to catch on fire for Jesus. And then I would interpret that to be, Christians, light yourselves on fire for Jesus. And then my brother would say, if you do this, you will find yourself walking in the promised land. And then I would say, you will find yourself dead and gone to be with Jesus. (laughs) And I think so many times when we talk about this day, that day, it's that same kind of breakdown in the interpretation, the same kind of breakdown in the application. And I love what Paul says. Did you see some of the expressions that he makes here? He talks about this idea of a faith that's worth keeping and a race that he's about to finish and a good fight that he's been fighting. And at some point, I think you have to ask yourself the question, how was he able to maintain such spiritual vibrancy? How was he able to keep on point and to keep such spiritual priority? And I think the answer always goes back to this idea of that day must influence this day, right? That day must influence this day. Now, we could talk about that day from many different vantage points, right? We could look at it etymologically, which is, you know, the study of words and try to figure out what exactly the New Testament writers meant by it. Or we could look at it metaphorically as an instructive example with no real actual meaning for the present, as some of the liberal Bible uh, theologians in our generation have tried to do. But I would like to look at it from a missiological standpoint today. What do I mean by that? How does this relate to this idea of missions? And so we're going to look at the big picture, and then we're going to try to make some application to the specificity of where we are today in second service in Christian chapel. So we ask the question, what does that day look like from a missiological standpoint? Now, to do that, we're going to John chapter, or Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, and John is going to record what he sees on the final day. Now, I recognize I've used this passage of Scripture before, if you've heard me preach, but I would like to suggest today that the reason that we need to keep this before us, to keep this vision fresh, is because heaven is not a spiritual retirement community. It's an ongoing worship experience, right? And so what you see in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, I think illustrates this so well because John records that day. He's talking about what's happening missiologically around the throne on the final moments of human history. And it's not just this one-time event. It seems like there's a protracted sense to the idea of what is taking place in heaven. And so he says, after these things I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number, of all nations and tribes and peoples and tongues. And they're standing before the throne and before the Lamb, and they're clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands. And as you continue to read that passage, it talks about this glorious worship experience where people from every corner of planet Earth and every generation that's ever lived are assembled in one glorious eternal moment to glorify and exalt the holy name of Jesus Christ, right? Beautiful. And so we kind of, you know, try to imagine that day and how does it impact this day? And you've heard me use this illustration before, but I imagine that day because John said that he saw every people group and every tribe and tongue. And so I imagine the Brits, right? And they're standing around the throne on the final day and they're singing 
Holy, 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 you are worthy, Son of God, to receive glory and honor and praise. And then maybe they, you know, get a spot of tea. I don't know. If you're British, that might fit. And then you have the Burundians, and they're singing in Kirundi, the language of Burundi. Right? And then if you've ever seen um, uh, the Maasai people on the Discovery Channel, the guys that have the spears that go, yeah, 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 right? They're standing around the throne, and they're singing, and then in Madagascar, you know, with King Julian, I like to move it, move it, right? And so they're singing in Malagasy, Masina, 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 Yanao, Numendrika, Handrai, Nidera, Sinihaza, Ninivununayatra, Mandrakizai, Imandrakizai, or the language that I grew up speaking in Kenya, which is Swahili. And they're singing unastahili kwa budiwa mwana wa kondo kwa sababu lisulubishwa palem salabani kwa jilietu, right? Or if you see estas aquí en este lugar hoy en día, los que hablan español están aclamando, eres digno cordero de Dios para recibir la gloria, el poder y la honra para siempre y para siempre. And very quickly you begin to get this image and you begin to get this understanding that when we talk about that day, missiologically, there has to be some kind of an implication and application for this day that we live in with our lives. And so what a day that will be, but let's ask the question, how do we live in light of that day today? How do we live in light of that day today? Now, some of you are familiar with the story of Burundi and some of you aren't. So let me just try to catch you up to speed very quickly. Um, I moved to Burundi in 2007, right in the middle of the uh, war. It was an intense times. And you're going to see this picture come up behind me of Pastor Jerome and me. He quickly became one of my best friends. He came to us one day. I was teaching in a Bible school, and he said, would you help me plant a church in the city of Gitega? Gitega was known as the evangelical graveyard of Burundi. Every church that they had tried to plant had failed. He said, God's calling me. I want to go. What should we do? I said, let's try it. We help him facilitate this idea of planting a church in Gitega. The church started off with about 15 people. It grew to about 50, then about 100, then 200, then 300, then 400. In the evangelical graveyard, right, the place they said that it's not possible. Why? Because Jesus promised that around that throne on the final day, there would be some gathered from every kind. Church kept growing, 600, 700, 800, 900, 1,000 people. God started doing so many miracles in the congregation to point people to Jesus that they named the church ICMC, International Christian Miracle Center. But what, where it really gets interesting is when he was elected about 10 years after that as the general superintendent of the Assemblies of God in Burundi, who are our primary partners that we work with, and he said, Stephen Bailey, let's start a church planting movement to help facilitate church planting all over Burundi, because out of his church, he's already planted eight uh, congregations. And so we've come here year after year. We've shared with you guys some of the uh, burden and some of the vision, and they're going to put this um, picture up on the screen of the different names of churches that you guys have helped to plant. And there's 18 names that are listed here. I know they probably don't mean a whole lot to you, but man, Bailey and I have had the opportunity just in the last 18 months to visit almost every single one of those. And it is so awesome to walk in on a Sunday morning into a community where there once was no church and find a healthy, vibrant church. You saw in the video the dancing that takes place. Oftentimes, the congregation will wait four and five hours for us to show up. And when we get out of the vehicle, I mean, it is like a little mini burst of heaven as all of the 
a sudden they're dancing and they're undulating and celebrating. And you begin to hear these testimonies of how this person came to Christ and that family came to Christ and that group of people came to Christ. And I think Pastor Chris shared last Sunday between 75 to 150 people at almost every single one of those churches that are going in has come to Jesus within one month of the church starting. Now, why 18? Why those ones right there? Because our vision is a healthy church within, every, within walking distance of every Burundian, and those 18 represent 18 churches that Christian Chapel single-handedly funded and allowed that to make a significant difference in the nation of Burundi. To God be the glory. I think that's <laughs> worth a... so awesome sometimes when we're there in Burundi to see just the impact that a church can have on a local community. And so we ask this question, how do we live in light of that day today? And I see three answers that come from this passage of scripture that jump out at me. And the first one is this idea of celebration, right? Celebration. And it's this idea of Stephanos, the victor's crown. Stephanos, the victor's crown, right? Paul says that the righteous judge is storing up a crown which he will give to me, and not only to me, but to all who have loved his appearing. Now, the Greek word here, crown, is this idea of Stephanos. It's where we get the English word Stephen, which is my uh, first name. Uh, growing up, my mom and dad had all of our names and like calligraphy on the wall with a scripture verse associated with it. And every morning when I'd wake up, there would be Stephen, 2 Timothy 4, 8, a crown is laid up for you. And I love the parallel here that seems, Paul seems to be making where he says in verse 6, I have finished the race, now there is a crown, now there is a Stephanos, now there is a victor's crown waiting for me. And he's giving us this idea that that day enabled him to overcome all of the stuff that he was going through in this day. Now, can I push pause for a second and ask how many of us have gone through some stuff just in the last 18 months, okay? Only a few hands going up. Man, we need to take lessons from those of you that have never had any challenges in your life. I, I for one, have been through some stuff. And I love the fact here that the New Testament is trying to tell us that if we're going to live in light of that day, we have to have this celebrative, celebratory mindset that says that we recognize that there are some things to overcome. In fact, did you know that you are only called a victor in the New Testament if you have overcome some stuff? And so I would challenge us today and remind us that you may be going through a battle. You may be walking through the valley of the shadow of death even in this morning. Can I encourage you today, if you're going to make it, keep your eyes focused on that day because there's something, there's something about that day that enables us to continue moving forward. Now, Burundi, Burundi is probably one of the most broken places on planet Earth. Every single one of the church planters that we interact with, they've they've overcome some stuff. I wish we could tell you multiple stories, but I'm just going to highlight one today. And the story I'd like to highlight is this idea of Pastor Pierre from one of the churches that you guys helped put in in a place called Giharuro. In 2015, when the uh, most recent political tension and ethnic flare took place, Pastor Pierre fled to the nation of Congo. In the nation of Congo, he's wrestling with what is the meaning of life. He encounters Jesus. And Jesus begins to speak to him and say, I've called you to be a pastor and to be a preacher. And moreover, I want you to go back to Burundi because I'm about to do something through your life. 
So in obedience in 2019, he comes back to Burundi. He hears about our church planting school in Bujumbura. He moves there with his wife, and he goes through the entire curriculum, gets trained on what the um, ins and outs are of planting a church. And then in early 2021, he visits the pl- a place called Giharuro, which is right on the Burundian-Congolese border. He said when he went there, he found that there was no church in the entire community. The last church to be there was a Methodist congregation that had closed five years earlier. Moreover, the area was dominated by witchcraft, all kinds of sorcery and spells and curses. And they said almost every day um, for the last several years, someone within the community has died. And of course, the locals attributed that to the presence of witchcraft. Nevertheless, he feels like this is the place with the funds sent by Christian Chapel. We're able to start this congregation, this building. We put it up. You saw the picture on the screen with the thank you uh, sign outside. It's not too hard to tell what happened as he began to preach. God began to move. People began to give their lives to Jesus. Miracles took place, signs and wonders. Witch doctors started getting born again. It was so awesome. That picture was when Bailey preached on a Sunday morning outside and they wanted to come out and just take a picture that said thank you to say that, to express their appreciation for those who made that church possible. Pastor Pierre told me in the last three months since the church has really started to take off, there hasn't been a single recorded death in the entire community. Now, can I verify that? No, I can't verify that, but that's what he told me. And I think it's just this beautiful picture of what happens when we understand that day in light of this idea of celebration and this idea of walking in the victor's crown even when we have to go through stuff. The second point I think that comes out here very clearly is the idea of intervention. Intervention. And I put in the notes for the message today, God's justice includes the gospel. God's justice includes the gospel. Verse 7b, Paul says that it is the righteous judge that will give the victor's crown to him. Now the idea of the righteous judge. Paul is calling God a righteous judge. And of course, scripture tells us that that is accurate. And in so doing, Paul is connecting that day, the final day, to God's justice system. Now, justice is kind of a buzzword in our current, um, you know, life that we live, current culture. But it's interesting to me that as I've thought about this and I've thought about global justice, what do I mean by that? Global gospel justice, I would suggest that the greatest injustice on planet Earth today is that there are people who have still never heard the gospel. Did you know that the uh, Joshua Project, which is like an online compendium of missiological information and such, they estimate somewhere around 3 million people on planet Earth still have never had the opportunity to hear that Jesus came for the first time, right? And as I wrestled with that and thought about it, the thought comes to me clearly that there are places on planet Earth where people live and die without an opportunity to hear about Jesus. And I would suggest today that that is a terrible injustice. I would suggest today that that is is something that we as the church must engage with in order to see that change. And I think that that speaks of this idea of intervention, right? And that's what Kingdom Builders is all about. That's why Christian Chapel, you guys invest in 30 different um, nations and 50 different missionaries, giving over $400,000 a year, doing everything we can to make sure that the gospel goes outside of the four walls of this building to encounter and transform people's lives. One of the most broken places on planet Earth besides Burundi is the country right next to it. That would be the nation of Congo. It's directly to the west. If you do any kind of research online, 
you'll find that in the last 15 years, they estimate there are more than 5 million Congolese refugees that are displaced across planet Earth simply because it's one of the most unstable places on our planet. They say in the last 10 years, somewhere between 3 and 5 million people have been killed, right? I mean, this is one of the forgotten corners of our world today. No infrastructure, and yet God always has a means of intervening with the gospel. And I love this next picture you're going to see of Pastor Jeremy, because Pastor Jeremy was a pastor in Congo within a denomination that didn't really believe in church planting, yet he had a burning desire to plant churches to reach people in Congo that had never heard the good news. And so he hears about the church planting school in Bujumbura, Burundi. He goes across the border. He gets trained. He gets resourced. And he goes back and he plants a church in a place called Kambamba. And in Kambamba, Congo, on a Sunday morning today, there's over 400 people that are now gathered to exalt and glorify the name of Jesus. But that's not what makes me so excited. What makes me so excited is that he has a vision and a burden to plant more churches. Now, how many of you have heard of COVID? Oh, a few hands are going up. Okay, that's good. It's kind of a global big deal right now, right? It's interesting, during COVID, Congo completely shut down, Burundi completely shut down. Pastor Jeremy had been sending pastors across the border into Burundi to be trained, and that was no longer possible because of the restrictions on movement. And so what was really cool is they decided, let's just start our own church planting school, and we'll use our sanctuary. And so they invited 10 uh, Congolese men and women to come, and for two months they studied God's Word, and they went through some of the curriculum that we use in Burundi. And in short order, in the last few months, more than 10 congregations have now been birthed and planted out of Pastor Jeremy's church. And I think that that's such a beautiful picture of what Jesus is doing in the world that we live in. Even in the midst of COVID, in the midst of global pandemics, in the midst of whatever it may be, Jesus is on the move. And he's going to use the shaking that's taking place in our generation to impact the world that we live in. And so the thought comes to me that God intervenes in the darkest places on planet earth with the gospel to give all people an opportunity to experience his justice. And then finally, the third point, and I'll close with this, and you know when a missionary says he's closing, it doesn't mean anything, right? Except today I really do have a flight, so I really am closing, right? Um, I love this idea of anticipation, anticipation. The proximity of his appearing. And the Greek word here, when Paul says, to all who have loved his appearing, it's this idea of epiphania. It's where we get the English word, an epiphany, right? Epiphania. It, in the Greek language, it was a fictitious manifestation of the uh, Greek gods. And so the early Christians used the word to describe Christ's first appearing as a baby as well as his imminent second coming. And they would talk about it as being surrounded with great glory and with great majesty and with great power. And I love that Paul says that there are those who have loved his appearing. I love that he says that they long for Christ's presence and Christ's manifestation their hearts yearn to encounter Jesus. This, there's this desire. I think anyone who's truly walked with Christ, there's this hunger inside of us that says, we long to see Jesus come back. Now, with COVID, and I've already alluded to some of the challenges, I've heard a lot of people say something to the effect, well, Jesus is on his way any moment now, any day, right? And I get the sentiment because I've had, you know, 22 of these different uh, tests. I actually did count them up. It's 22, like the little thing that goes up your nose. And I had one yesterday. I'm COVID-free, all right? So if you are, you know, if you want to hang out close with me today, I, I'm, I'm clear. I'm good, right? And you have this idea very quickly that the world we live in is a very complicated place. And I, I understand the sentiment, oh, Lord, if you would just come back tomorrow, that would be wonderful. 
And yet I think you have to grapple with it and ask the question, why does he delay then? If there's this longing on the part of his people and we know that Jesus desires to be with his bride, his church, then why has he delayed so much? And I think that this takes us right back to Revelation chapter 7 verse 9 where John says that he saw every people and every tribe and every tongue and it's not like it was a suggestion. It's not like it was a hypothesis of like a possibility maybe around the throne on the final day. What John was describing was a prophetic anticipation and promise that says, you know what, this is going to be be the reality on that day. As such, there are things that have to fall into place, even if it involves a global pandemic that may shake the daylights out of the nations. At some point, God uses all of this to bring about his perfect purpose, which is the glorification of his son, Jesus Christ. And so it reminds me of the story of Pastor Celestin. Pastor Celestin was also caught up in the same political tension that I mentioned in 2015. And so he moved to Western Tanzania to get away so that his life would be spared. In Western Tanzania, he's praying and he's asking the Lord, what do you want with my life? And one day as he's praying, he told me that it was almost like an audible voice came and said, I want you to move back to Burundi and I want you to plant a church among your people. Now, what I didn't tell you about the story is this. There are three people groups in Burundi the Hutu, the Tutsi, and the Batwa. The Batwa are the pygmies of Africa, probably the most marginalized, planet, uh, most marginalized people group on our planet. Pastor Celestin is in Twa. When he moves back to a place called Nyangungu, Mutaho, what, we, what I've found in doing research is there's probably less than 50,000 pygmies, Batwa, in the nation of Burundi. As of 15 years ago, they didn't know of a single born-again pygmy in Burundi. He moves back to Nyangungu Mutaho, launches the church in July of 2020 in the middle of a pandemic, a terrible time to plant a church unless the Holy Spirit is involved in it. I love this story because Mutaho is one of the churches that Christian Chapel helped put in as well. Three weeks ago, November 7th, I celebrated my 42nd birthday in Mutaho, Burundi, preaching on a Sunday morning as I stood up on the platform and looked out over the congregation of over a hundred Batwa who have responded and given their lives to Jesus. My mind was immediately transported to that final day in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. And I was reminded once again that the Lamb is worthy to be worshipped and adored by every people group on planet Earth including the Batois. But what fires me up even more than that is it's not just a vision that Pastor Celestin has to plant one church. He's already planted a second one down the road in a place called Bugendana. And then from Bugendana, in the months to come, he's going to Ruhororo and try to say that one fast, right? It'll just kind of like gurgle out of the back of your throat. And then from Ruhororo, he's going to Gihororo. Those are kind of like, I guess, twin cities. I don't know. Four different, of the, four different congregations are going in. And what I love so much about what's happening in Burundi and in Congo is it's not just a vision to plant a church. It's a vision to plant healthy churches within walking distance across both of these countries. I came today to say thank you. If our Burundian brothers and sisters could stand before you today, you have no idea the amount of joy and ecstatic exuberance that you would experience as they would walk up to you and say, Christian Chapel, thank you for having a vision for something that's bigger than today. 
something that looks like that day because only when we live life in light of that day will this day make any sense. And you may be here today and you're out of alignment with what God wants to do and what God's called you to do and the purpose on your life. Can I suggest the best way to get back into alignment with what heaven is speaking over your life is to imagine and envision yourself standing before the throne on that day with every people group and every tribe. And I promise you, all of the other things that seem so monumental and seem so difficult will slowly fall into the wayside and into the backdrop as Jesus is once again glorified and exalted by the peoples and nations of our planet. Can we close in prayer today? Father, we thank you for your word. I've tried to articulate it as simply as you gave it to me. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would breathe on it in our hearts and in our lives. This is so much more than just the opportunity to continue investing in church planting. This is about reordering and realigning our hearts and our priorities. This is about making sure that our lives are making sense in light of eternity. This is about understanding that that day has to be the measuring line for how we live this day. So Lord, today, for anyone who is out of alignment, for anyone who is living a life that doesn't make sense in light of eternity, I pray that this would be the moment and this would be the Sunday when they make a decision whether watching online or here in this building that says, Jesus, I'm surrendering so that my life would be aligned correctly today in light of that day. Lord, we honor you. We glorify you. We pray for our brothers and sisters in Burundi. We pray for our brothers and sisters in Congo. Lord, I know they were praying for us today. So we return uh, back again to the throne and say, Jesus, continue to build your church across the hills of Burundi and in the killing fields of Congo so that your name may be glorified and lifted high. And we will give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said. opportunity to be part of what God is doing in Burundi. Um, currently, it takes about $6,000 to build one church in Burundi. As Stephen said, they have 35 church planters who've recently finished their training. They have already launched out. They're working in villages, towns, and cities across Burundi. They are gathering congregations, meeting either in homes, rented facilities, in some cases outdoors. And this is our opportunity to come alongside of them to be part of God's provision in their life. This morning, as, as I was praying about this morning services and specifically about our chance to partner with these pastors, um, the, the Lord just kind of spoke to me of, you know, at Christian Chapel these past several months, we've been in a season of renovation. And so as we've renovated our facilities, part of that has been a, a fundraising opportunity for us to participate in. And during the last couple months, Angie and I, we've prayed a lot of prayers of, Lord, we know this is where you've called us. We know this is what you've called us to do. And now we're trusting you to provide the way for us. And our staff has prayed those prayers and our board have prayed those prayers and, and God has spoken to all of us and we've responded generously and seen him provide in, in amazing ways. And this morning as I was praying, of Lord, just we wanna, we wanna be part of your provision. The, the picture I had in my mind was of those 35 church planters that Stephen mentioned. And as they were getting ready on a Saturday night, praying those prayers of Lord, I know this is where you've called me. I know this is what you've called me to do. And now, Lord, will you provide? And I, I mean, I, I feel that, that passion of a pastor praying like, Lord, you've given us a people, but now will you give us a building? Will you give us a place to call home? Will you give us a sense of permanence in the community? And this is our opportunity to be part of God's provision for our brothers and sisters. And there may be people we'll never meet and places we'll never go, 
but we're connected to them through Christ. We're connected to them through our generosity and God allows us to be part of his answer in their life. As Stephen mentioned, over the last two years, we've given almost $90,000 to build 18 churches in Burundi. And I'm just believing God's gonna speak to us again this morning. And for some of us, it might be God saying, hey, I want you to fund one of those churches. You're gonna make a $6,000 gift and you're gonna build one out of the way that God has blessed you. And, and some of us can write that check and never think of it. Some of us, that's a massive step of faith. All I'm asking you to do is pray about it and obey what the Lord speaks to you. Others of us, we're gonna join our gifts together and we're gonna fund those churches as we all do the part that God has called us to play. We've already committed to fund one of those out of our regular Kingdom Builders giving. And then we're just gonna take a chance and, and let the Lord speak to us and see how he provides this year and how many of those churches that we're able to build over the coming year and, and look forward to hearing those stories from Stephen next year as well. But if you'll bow your heads and close your eyes with me, I just wanna give us all a chance to pray that very simple prayer of, Lord, we've heard what you're doing and we stand in awe of it. And now Lord, we just come to ask you to speak to us about how you would have us participate. Lord, you know our resources, you know our abilities, and yet, Lord, we come just to ask you to speak very clearly to us about our participation in building churches in Burundi. We thank you for every pastor. We thank you for every pastor's spouse. We thank you for every pastor's kid. We thank you for every leadership team at every one of those local congregations. We thank you for their devotion to you. We thank you for the seriousness with which they have embraced their calling. We thank you for the fruit of ministry that they're experiencing, Lord. And now we're coming to ask how you would like us to partner with our brothers and sisters, to be part of your provision and to be part of your answer. And Lord, as you speak, will you fill our hearts with faith to obey? And Lord, as we give, we believe we will experience your continued blessing and your provision. Lord, I thank you for this partnership you have brought our way and the privilege we get to build your kingdom, not just here in Tulsa, but all around the world. And we thank you for the incredible fruit that is being shown in Burundi, Lord. Thank you for the chance that we get to participate, speak to us clearly, and help us to obey. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.